Good morning. What a great start to this morning. Appreciate the worship band and the worship dance team and Carla and um, everybody else. It is good to be here with you this morning. So um, this is a great video that you guys just got to watch. A little great video of some people playing in some flooding waters. How many of you have experienced flooding waters in your, in your life? I imagine what happened here is there were some heavy rains that got into the streets and, you know, the water's coming down and, and the kids are even kind of dancing and playing in it and, uh, and uh, they even like get out the floating device and floating on top of it and these these, these heavy rainwaters that flooded the streets. When I was young, I grew up out in the country, and there was a creek that was about a creek, creek. I don't know how you say it, creek, creek. So uh, it was about a stone's throw away from, away from our house. And so when, when we got heavy rains out our way, that creek overflowed, right? It came right out of the banks, flooded the pasture. It came all the way up almost to our house. And so one year, my older brother, he had a two-person kayak, and he, and he said to my younger brother, why don't we go out there and we kayak the, the creek? And so they, they went over and they, they put it in and uh, they paddled out and they, they got into the channel and started shooting down. And they did really great in the wide open pastures. They did really, really well as long as it was a wide open pasture. But about three quarters of the way down, they found that the, the creek enters into and disappears into the woods. And some of you might know where this is going because when, when the creek is at normal level, it's, it's quite a ways down below the, the tree branches. But in floodwaters, it's, it's like right there with the tree branches. And so my brothers weren't just paddling through the waters, but they were battling through the tree branches. And I don't know all of the details that happened. I do know they flipped not once, but twice. And my brothers say it was by a grace of God and the fact that my older brother was a weightlifter were the only two things that kept them um, alive that day. And they laugh about the whole thing today uh, uh, because these, these waters were simply overwhelming to them. And they laugh about it. I told them we were going to share this story this morning. And, and, uh, and even though they were overwhelmed, they were just, excuse me, they were really just trying to stay alive. Now, how many of you in this room have ever felt overwhelmed? How many of you have ever felt overwhelmed in your life? Somebody described the pace of our lives today. They're saying we're like minnows in a flash flood. Minnows in a flash flood. We, oftentimes we feel overwhelmed. We have a ton of opportunities to be busy with, do we not? We have a ton of opportunities, and, and many times these are good things. They're very good things that we can part, be a part of, and some of us are like these kids in the video where we were splashing, you know, in our flooded times. We're splashing and dancing and kind of riding on top, but others of us are like my brothers, <laughs> overwhelmed in the flooding waters. In this series, we want to talk about the Sabbath. We want to talk about Sabbath. Sabbath is a Hebrew word, which means to stop or to rest. And in this particular teaching today, I want to talk about Sabbath in the midst of busyness. When Jeff says it's about overload, busyness is like opportunity overload. Now, how many of you would describe your life, or at least some portion of your life, as busy? Anybody here would describe your life or some portion of your life as busy. Listen to this, studies show, this was in the Harvard Business Review. Studies have shown that Americans, we like to be busy, we actually associate busyness with success. So in our culture, the more busy we are or feel, the more successful we feel. Isn't that interesting? We like to work hard, whether that's in the home, around the home with our family, or whether that's outside the home at a job. We like to work hard. We also like to play hard. We like our leisure. We like our activities that we like to attend. What this all means is that we don't take time to rest. How many of you have ever come back from vacation? 
You get back from your vacation, you say, that was a really awesome vacation, but now I need a vacation to come back from my vacation. Anybody ever said that? How many say this about your weekend? Like you're just off for a weekend and you go, that was a really awesome weekend. It was incredible, but now I need another day of weekend before I can re-enter my week because it was so busy. We don't stop. We don't rest very well. You say, well, what does God say about that? What does God have to say about, about rest and Sabbath in the midst of our busy lives? What we'll see today is that God's Sabbath is about a couple things. One, it's about permission to rest. Two, it's about permission to not get sucked up into the culture around us and to be different from the culture. It's also about having perspective in the midst of our busyness. Now to do this, we're gonna take an indirect path. We're gonna open up the Old Testament. We're gonna look at the life of an ancient Israelite king named Solomon. If you're familiar with Solomon, he's one of my favorite people in the Old Testament. We named our dog Solomon. So uh, we, we like Solomon. Some of us are familiar with Solomon, who is the wise king. My, do- my dog is not wise. Solomon was the wise king, but there was so much more to King Solomon, and I think we'll see that today. So we're going to open up, we're going to look in the book of 2 Chronicles. Now, the life of Solomon in 2 Chronicles is about 10 chapters long. We're not going to read all of those chapters, so we're going to kind of hit some highlights along the way and sort of look at Solomon's life as a king. So in in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon became king. He was the third king in Israel, and God went to him when he became king. God came to Solomon and he said, ask her whatever you want me to give to you. That's a, that's, a big, that's a big thing. Have you ever had God come to you and say, ask me for whatever you want? This is a big thing. And here's what Solomon said. Solomon said, give me wisdom and knowledge so that I can lead these people. For who is able to govern these people of yours, God? That's pretty awesome. Solomon could have asked for anything like money, Power, air conditioning, plumbing. He could have asked for anything back in the day. But he said, God, give me wisdom so that I can be a good king. And so listen to this. This is what God said. He said, you've asked for wisdom, so I'll give you wisdom. But I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor. So Solomon could have asked for anything. He asked for wisdom, and God said, I will bless you with wisdom, but I will also give you wealth and honor and possessions. And you say, this is a pretty great deal. This is a pretty great deal. Solomon's starting out pretty well. He had great intentions. Solomon, and God comes to him and says, I'm gonna bless you. This is looking really good. So Solomon was king for 40 years in Israel. He was, he was king. And so 40 years he was reigning. 40 years things seemed to be going really well. Listen to this in chapter nine. The author of Chronicles says a few things about Solomon. He says, one, Solomon was the greatest king on earth after his 40 years as king. Solomon was the, the greatest king on earth. He said that by the end of Solomon's reign, he said that the place was wealthy with all kinds of gold. Gold is mentioned like, like 10 times. Gold, lots of gold. He also said they had a strong army with horses from Egypt, with good horses. And so Solomon was a huge success. He was the greatest king. And then he died. And that's the life of King Solomon in 2 Chronicles. But that's not the whole story. And so if you don't know, there are two different sets of books in the Old Testament. One is Chronicles and one is Kings. And these both tell the stories of the kings 
of ancient Israel and ancient Judah, but, but they tell them from different perspectives. And we're going to see that with the life of Solomon. So in the book of Kings now, the life of Solomon is actually very similar. It's actually very similar. Solomon became king. He asked wisdom from God. He built up the kingdom. That's all the same. But what's different is what the author of Kings wrote about the success of Solomon. So listen to this. This is what he says. The author of Kings says, there was a lot of gold by the end of Solomon's time as king. A lot of gold. Again, gold mentioned like 10 times when you're reading through there. Gold this, gold that, gold, a lot of gold. He said, there were horses and chariots. Must have had a strong army. Imported from Egypt. These strong horses. So far you're thinking that sounds a lot like the same, doesn't it? But then the, the author added this in Kings. This detail isn't in Second Chronicles. The author added this. He said, Solomon had a lot of wives. Wives. Actually, quite a few wives. 700 royal wives. You say, that's peculiar, isn't it? And if you're like me, you might wonder how a person has 700 wives. If you're really like me, well, now I have a daughter, you're wondering how a person has 700 weddings. And it's a good thing that I'm not funny because somebody might make a joke out of this, but it's a good thing that I'm not funny because this is not good for Solomon. These are probably wives through political marriages with foreign nations. And here's why it's not funny. Because if we go back to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, now we're going to jump way back to Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, a few hundred years before Solomon, God said, long before there was ever even one king, God said, one day you people are going to ask for a king and I'll give you kings. I'll give you a king, but don't let the king do these three things. Can you guess what they are? First one, don't let the king acquire a bunch of gold. Second thing, don't let the king buy a bunch of horses, especially those from Egypt. And the third thing is don't let your king marry foreign women. Why? Because they will turn his heart away. And this isn't some sort of nationalistic type thing because in the ancient world, when you married a person, you didn't just marry them, you married into their religion as well. And so now if you didn't catch it, that's strike one, strike two, and strike three against King Solomon. And then the writer says this about King Solomon. He said, so Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. We don't get all the details of what happened in Solomon's home. What we do get is a picture of his heart and a little picture of God's heart with Solomon. Now, did Solomon have good intentions when he was first starting out as a king? Yes, we saw that. He had great intentions of being the best king. He's so good of intentions. Did Solomon do great things as the king of Israel? Sure, he did great things. Did did God bless Solomon? Yes, God blessed Solomon just like he said he would. Wisdom, wealth, honor. He gave him everything that he said he would. And so let me ask you this. Was Solomon's life a success then? Was Solomon's life a success? What would you say? I know Jesus once said this. He said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? 
So the words of Jesus. You say, now what does all this have to do with the Sabbath? Well, to answer that, we first need to understand the Sabbath. Where it comes from and what it means for today. And so for that, we have to go back to the very beginning. So when God created the world, he created everything in six days. Creation was done. And then on the seventh day, it says that his work was finished. And so he rested. He Sabbathed. He rested And this wasn't just showing us like a day in the life of God. There's something deeper going on here, something that was important for us as well. And so listen to what this writer in Exodus actually says about, about the Sabbath day. Exodus chapter 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so creation was finished and God rested and he blessed the Sabbath day and God gave the Israelites this Sabbath day which for them was Saturday. This was Saturday and it became a rhythm and a gift from God. You work six days and then the gift is that you get to rest on the seventh day on Saturday. Six days rest, six days rest. And today most followers of Jesus, we celebrate the Lord's day on Sunday We celebrate Lord's Day on Sunday, which is technically the first day of the week. And we celebrate on this day because this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And these two things, Lord's Day and Sabbath, there's a little bit of difference to them. However, Sabbath is still a gift and a rhythm for our lives. And so we're not so much concerned about the particular day that people rest. It's more about seeing the importance and the gift of rest in our lives from God. So in this passage, we can see the connection between Sabbath and when God finished the work that he had. So I like how this one writer describes what her Sabbath rhythm is like. She said she had to work into a rhythm of Sabbath and eventually she said this, one day each week, I live as if all my work were done. One day each week I live as if all of my work were done, just like God's work was done. You say, what would that be like to have all your work done? What, what would that even be like? Rachel and I, we bought a house up in Waverly, and we've been in, in this house for just over a year and a half. And we bought it from people who have um, different tastes than we do, and so we've had a lot of projects. And so last year, we had just a, a lot of projects. We tried to do as many as we could in that year and get things sort of up to a certain point um, so that I didn't want pink paint in my bedroom. So we just, you know, we got things to a certain point as we did what we had to to get to where we wanted to. But this year when we started out in 2018, we said, okay, here's a limit. We're gonna do these things and then we're just gonna be done for the year. We're just gonna be these three things and we're gonna be done for the year. And here we are in June and we've almost finished these projects. Yeah. The first group clapped for that, you guys. Oh, you, had, you already lost your grace with that. Already lost your grace. So we're almost finished with these projects. <laughs> and a couple of weeks ago, this really happened, a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday, we, we had the family kind of all gathered in the living room and I had this feeling like I, like I should be doing something. But our projects were almost done and there was nothing to do on that particular day and it was really weird for me. It was like, we, you know, we could just be a family and not think about having a project to do because we set that limit and said, this is it. Rest is important. And it was weird. It was like my body 
wanted to do something or had something to do just in order to feel normal. I felt, I felt, I didn't feel normal. But I had to give myself permission to stop and just be okay enjoying some rest time. It's, it's okay to stop. I mean, we love to be fruitful, we love to be productive, but there comes a time when we need to just, to just stop. And that's a good thing. In fact, it's a gift from God. You don't need permission just from yourself. You have permission from God. And maybe if you're like me, you need to feel that permission. You need to hear God say, it's okay to stop. It's okay to stop. Actually, it should be part of the rhythm of your life. And we know that the projects, they're never really done. We, we know this deep down. Projects, are, so it might feel weird. It might feel weird to be enjoying this rest time, but maybe that's the point. Maybe that's just part of it. Maybe it should feel weird because it's so different from what our culture says we should be doing. And it may take, take a few times to actually practice Sabbath before we can start to appreciate it. So God has given us permission to stop and live, even if for a short time all our work was done. Some of us need that permission. God says, here it is. It's okay to stop. And here's what else is written about the Sabbath in the Old Testament. We're going to keep going. Exodus chapter 31 says this. God said, you must observe my Sabbaths, and this will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. And here we see this connection between Sabbath and holiness. There's a connection between Sabbath and what, so what is holy? Holiness simply means set apart. Think about Solomon for a minute. It looks like he just jumped into the river of being a king. Like he just jumped in and sort of started swimming and did really well from one perspective at least. And he, he just swam right through what, it, what, a, what a king could, should, and would do. And he did well from one perspective. He became the greatest king in the world. But then you step back and you look at the other perspective and you say, how did that work out for him? I feel like Rachel and I, in our family, we're just getting into this new season of our lives where our oldest is just graduated kindergarten and she has all kinds of opportunities to sign up for things. We get in Waverly, we get like this newspaper thing, a special brochure that has like pages and pages of all kinds of amazing opportunities. I mean, rock climbing, soccer, you know, t-ball, all kinds of amazing, fun things that we could be signing her up for. And it feels like this is what we should be doing. We, sort of somewhere in me, I feel like, well, isn't this what good parents do is, is we sign them up for all this stuff and, and take them around to all their activities. Isn't that what success looks like for a family like ours? And it's not just with the kids. It's, it's with my own stuff too. There's, there's stuff that I want to be doing. I don't know what season of life you're in, but I'm sure there are opportunities for you to be doing all sorts of things, all sorts of activities. Do you ever feel a pull? Do you ever feel this pull from inside of you or from outside of you, like you need to be doing something? Do you, do you feel this, like there's some sort of standard or expectation for you or for your family or for what success looks like in this season of your life? So here's the question, how do we keep our hearts from getting too busy in a culture that values busy? How do we keep our hearts from turning away from God like Solomon's turned away from God? Sabbath is not just about a day to rest. It's about a disposition of our hearts so we don't get swept up in the busyness of life. 
God is making you and me, listen to this, God is making you and me and us, he's making us to be holy and set apart for him. And so we are not just machines that need turned off from time to time in order to cool down. We are the holy children of God and we need care from our Father. And Sabbath is one way that God cares for us. Listen to what this next passage says about Sabbath. It says this, Deuteronomy chapter five. Observe the Sabbath day. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And so in this passage, there's this connection between Sabbath and memory. Connection between Sabbath and memory. To remember that God saved them from slavery. One thing that memory does for us today is it gives us a little bit of perspective on life. Today, we remember, that, we remember that Jesus saved us from sin. If you've ever taken communion here, it's what we say, do this in remembrance of me. We, we remember what Jesus has done for us. So think about Solomon. I wonder what kind of perspective he had on his life. I wonder what kind of perspective he had. Like, we read from these two different perspectives, Chronicles and Kings. The first perspective saw God, who didn't turn away from his promises. The second perspective saw Solomon, who turned away from his God. How do you think Solomon saw his own life? Do you, like, do you think he saw that his heart was turning away from God? Do you think he had that perspective? Or do you think he, he really thought he was doing great things? What kind of perspective do you think Solomon had? What about you? What kind of perspective do you have on your life and your relationship with God? Where is your heart turning these days? We live in a culture that values and celebrates busy. We live in a culture that actually sees busy as success. And Solomon achieved success. He jumped into those waters and his heart turned away from God. So how do we keep our hearts from turning away from God? How do we do that? One writer says that the essence of a Sabbath heart is to be paying attention. The essence of a Sabbath heart is to be paying attention. So how do we pay attention to keep good perspective in our lives? Because sometimes when we get busy, we're jumping into things and we go from one thing to the other. We actually start missing things. We're not paying attention anymore. On that day in the creek, my brothers weren't stopping to smell the roses, if you will. They were just trying to stay alive. And today we don't want to be anti-busy because I know for myself, I've had some really good and, and, and gracious seasons of busyness, but I know I've also, I've also suffered through some very unhealthy seasons of busyness as well where my heart was turning away from God. In all of this, I have found a way that helps me pay attention in the midst of busyness. And this is what I'd like to end by sharing this with you. Now, I probably shared with some of you that I spent some time as a missionary. I traveled around the United States week to week, state to state, um, and I traveled for 19 weeks straight. So basically, I'm taking 19 week-long mission trips back to back to back to back to back, four months of new trips, new state every week. We're in a new state. We're meeting new people. We're doing new work. We're meeting new demands every single week. And so for this, this was like stimulation overload. It was an amazing experience, but it was stimulation overload and after about a dozen weeks of this busyness and overload I noticed a certain rhythm that I seemed to have for paying attention and I started to tap into that rhythm and make the most of it for each week 
And so I've, I've, since then, I've, I've gone on, I've, I've shared and taught others how to lead effective mission trips, and, and other people, when they hear this, they say, I have the same experience. I've had that exact same experience, so this has been helpful for me. I know it's been helpful for others. I pray that this might be helpful for you. Um, this is what we're gonna go through here in a second. The nice thing is you can do it in five minutes. You can do it in five hours. If you do take a Sabbath day, you set aside a few hours. You can do five minutes, five hours. You can spread these, these each individual pieces out over a period of five days, just like I did on a mission trip, and have a little bit of focus time each week. So here's what we're gonna do. First, we're gonna start by just prayerfully paying attention Remember, this is how we pay attention, prayerfully paying attention to the most ordinary and sometimes overlooked things. And I know when we insert the word prayer in there, sometimes we think, what do I have to say to God? But really, this is more about what does God have to say to you? What might God have to say to you? And so we're just sort of quiet and paying attention and just taking things in. This is also an exercise in listening, if you will. So the first step, the first step to think about is pay attention to the place. Pay attention to the place that you are in right now. You know, you can, you can do this anywhere, um, but, but right now we're here. And so pay attention to this place right here. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you taste? What do you feel? What about the temperature in the room? Have you noticed that? What about the things in the room? Where do you see things that are human creativity? Where do you see aspects of God's creativity? And how do all these things affect you right now in this place? What kind of impact are they having on you? Second thing, we're gonna go through kind of quickly. The second thing is to pay attention to people around you. The people around you, what are they doing? How are they? Maybe how are they the same as you or different than you? It's okay to look around. How are they the same or different? What do they care about? What are the people in this place, what do they value? What makes them laugh? What makes them cry? What do they do for fun? Remember, we're just, we're listening. We're just noticing. We're just paying attention. We're just appreciating. The third thing you want to pay attention to is potential. Potential. Where do you want more of something in this place and with these people? Where do you want less of something in this place and with these people? And what does that say about you? Are there pains in this room? And in this place? Or are there joys to celebrate? Still paying attention, just paying attention, listening for God prayerfully. God, what do you want me to see? Fourth thing is we're going to look at purpose. What I call purpose. How is God working in you? How is God working through you right now? Do you feel some pulls on your heartstrings right now? Where are those pulls coming from? Why do you feel yourself pulling towards those things? Also think about your gifts, your strengths, your passions, these things that God has given you to bring to this place with these people and with the potential in the room. What, what is your purpose? 
And finally, the fifth step is to pay attention to a pathway. We're not leaving yet, but pay attention to pathway. Think about how you might engage your next steps. Maybe you came into this room with a certain mindset, I'm gonna take this path to this room, I'm gonna take this path on the way out. But maybe during this time together, maybe something's changed. Maybe you're planning a new path. Maybe you're gonna continue on the one that you had in mind. Will you change or adapt? Will you stay the same? How will you embrace your path and your next steps that you'll be taking? What paths will you leave behind? What other opportunities are you leaving behind? How will this affect you? And how will your next steps affect others? This has been an exercise in paying attention to keep our hearts turned to God, even when we are in the busyness of our lives. If this is something that is helpful to you, we have some of these bookmarks with the questions and sort of the process listed out on these. They're out at the Welcome Center. You can grab one on the way out. I wanna close with just a few words. Sabbath is about permission. It's about God's permission to say, it's okay to stop. It's okay to stop. It's okay to look different than what the culture around us looks like because I've called you out as my holy people. Sabbath is also about perspective to see how God is working in our lives, to see where our heart is turning in our lives. I'd like to close with a word of prayer as we invite the band. Would you just join me in a word of prayer this morning? Lord, we thank you for your love and for your care. We thank you that you saw fit to set aside time for us and you give us permission to rest. God, because we are not machines, but we are your children. And Lord, this is one way that you care for your children. We pray, Lord, that we would have open hearts and open minds to see this as a gift and to receive it as a gift this morning. And Lord, for those of us who are in busy seasons and maybe feeling overwhelmed, would you just give us grace? Give us grace. Jesus, we thank you that we can look to you. We can remember the sacrifice that you made. We can remember your love for us. And we can see this as motivation to join you in a time of our own rest. So we thank you for this time this morning. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen.